I want to bring a couple of thoughts to y'all's attention today that have struck me over the course of my life, particularly over the last few years, and that is the subject of the sinner's prayer. Uh, now, some of y'all may be thinking, well, I've heard of the sinner's prayer and, and I, I associate it with something that is what gets me to heaven or gets well, a magical formula that gets us all to heaven. Well, the Bible does not offer a sinner's prayer that will allow you to get to heaven, but it'll sure enough allow you to know and have assurance that you're going to heaven, that you have an interest in heaven. Because all of God's people who have had a, a work of grace in their heart, you have this thing called a conscience. And when we sin it begins to eat away at us. And you know, you've heard the old preachers say, uh, well, when you're born again, uh, you will no longer be enslaved to sin, but you can still enjoy it. You just can't enjoy it quite like you used to. And that's been my experience. I mean, I've had a lot of experience trying to sow wild oats or whatever you want to say, and there was a level of pleasure in those things. But when God worked in my heart, I still want to do a lot of those things. And sometimes I still do them. That's the ugly part of being a sinner and a saint. Mm -hmm. Is that we still fall into sin. But this is where the sinner's prayer becomes very important. And you remember over there in Psalm 51 where David was one of those sinners who offered a prayer. And there's about five sinners' prayers in the Bible that I've identified, but I'm not going to go through all of them this morning. But just think about these words in Psalm 51. We know that David, a man after God's own heart, really messed up. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, there's a verse in, that Jesus says, Judge not that ye be not judged. Another one says, Take heed lest ye fall. There is a real sense to which all of us are, are prone to falling. And this is what this sinner's prayer says. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. So there's an appeal for help, divine help, to aid me in this situation that I'm going through because my conscience is eating me alive. You know, that's a wonderful thing about being born of the Spirit. It's a terrifying thing, but it's also the wonderful thing is that we truly can't live in sin the way we used to. Again, it don't mean that we don't spend years living in sin sometimes. Unconfessed sin. But the sinner's prayer does not stop with just saying, have mercy on me. Wash me thoroughly. I, I'm identifying that I'm broken and I want to be washed. I want a fresh start, oh God. And this may be the hundredth fresh start you've asked for. But I'm recognizing once again that I want a fresh start. And in verse 3 he says, For I acknowledge. That's a big part of the sinner's prayer. Acknowledging my transgressions. Have you ever buried it under a rug? Have you ever tried to hide it? Well, this is what he says. When I try to hide it, my sin is ever before me. 
You ever had your conscience that way down that you can't hardly eat or sleep because it's gnawing away at you? Sometimes it's unresolved conflict in your life where you have sinned against someone else or they have sinned against you or whatever the case may be or it may most of the time just be between us and God. Mm. When you're lying awake at night and the sin that you committed is resting before you and you know you should confess it, but you're ashamed at least that's the way I get. I'm ashamed, and so I don't want to confess it. I want to bury it. I want to, I want to block it out of my mind. I want to do anything but think and acknowledge this big mistake that I made. But the sinner's prayer, the Word of God encourages us that, that there is a prayer out there, and it's involving evoking God's mercy for our lives. And claiming that righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the psalmist says in another area in Psalm 32, he says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Because in Psalm 130, we know, if thou shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who can stand? Who can stand? But there is forgiveness with thee. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And what we were just talking about, Brother John was saying, we, sh we oftentimes get so hardened to the good news that Jesus paid it all. But that's not good news to us when our conscience is plagued down by unconfessed sin. All we can think about is the wrath of God abiding on us, the displeasure. And we know what that's like in personal relationships. When I've offended you or you've offended me or we have a falling out and there's that unresolved conflict. Well, that's the way it is when in the heart and in the soul between us and God. And there's no joy in that. There's no peace in that. The only way to get to it is to confess it and to acknowledge it before God and just come open and honest before God and say, Lord, I have sinned. And that's what he says here. He says in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. Don't try to hide it from God. Just bring it out and confess it to him. And that's hard to do sometimes. But he, this is what he said. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. My friends, that is awesome. That is an awesome statement. Mm -hmm. That no matter how many times we keep sinning against God, we can come back and make this prayer. I want to be forgiven. I want to know the love of God in my heart again. I want to feel the presence of God in my life again. And I'm wrong. I have wronged you, O God. And we make that confession. And the Lord says to freely come, to freely acknowledge that. My friends, those are two wonderful sinner's prayers. And I want to tell you that there's another one. Sometimes we can't even verbalize all we're going through. Sometimes we just don't have all the right words to express all the deep feelings that are going on. Well, you know, it doesn't have to be a real long prayer. You remember over there in Luke chapter 18 where it was the, the Pharisee and the publican? Mm -hmm. and, the, and the publican, what did he say? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Sometimes that's all we can get out. Sometimes there's just too much turbulence 
inside. And we know we've wronged God. And all we can say is the Lord have mercy on me, a sinner. But I want you to remember this one as well. You remember the two thieves on the cross? Mm-hmm. And how they were both rebuking him at one time. And then one of them had an awakening moment. And I love that because most people in this world would have thought he would have perished eternally if they had not observed the possibility that he could have changed in that moment of time. I'm so glad that our salvation is not based on the works of righteousness that we perform. Here's a thief all his life, rotten, no good. And even in just that amount of time, the Lord delivers him from eternal damnation. By giving him new life. But this, think about this sinner's prayer. And he says, you know, when they're in verse 39 of Luke 23, he says, And and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Now listen to this prayer in confession, sort of. In verse 41. And we indeed justly Mm -hmm. that's acknowledgement we're suffering the consequences of our actions we indeed justly suffer for we receive the due reward of our deeds you want to know what it's like to get what you have coming is this right here all of us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and if, if our sins were to be weighed in the balance, it would all be eternal condemnation. And we should all be able to say, we indeed justly. And acknowledge, this is the honest truth. There's my timer, I'm almost done. Acknowledge it, but this man, this man hath done nothing amiss. And praise God for that. Because not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his great and rich and awesome mercy, he has saved us. And then this is his prayer. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That's a sinner's prayer. When you're broken and you don't have the words to say, you know that there is a major issue going on in your life, heartache, pain. Lord, remember me. Remember me. You know, that's that's what the psalmist said over in Psalm 25 as well, you know. He said, I love this. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness for they have been ever of old. But then he also, he asked for another, this is another sinner's prayer. Remember not. Remember not the sins of my youth. Lord, remember me according to thy mercy. Don't remember me according to the works that I've done. And that's the sinner's prayer, my friends, is that we are acknowledging that we are nothing I love that Psalm 115 that says, not unto us, not unto us, but unto thy name be glory. Because that's the confession. We are nothing. 
He is everything. Now, I want to leave you with this one thing real quick. And this is what really transformed me. Sometimes when we're able to grab hold of that, that's good news, my friend. It should be good news. Mm -hmm. But there is a real application to this, too. And I found this a couple of years ago, and it really got a hold of me. In Luke chapter 6, 35, he's talking about, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies and do good to them which love you. Which hate you, excuse me. But in verse 35, he goes down after explaining a little bit of that, and he recaps it. He says, but love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. Now get this. Why should you do that? Why should you do good to somebody that hates you? Somebody that has caused you pain and grief and heartache. Why should you do that? Because he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. That is me, my friends. That's all of us. That is us. Our whole motive to love others is when, you, you remember what Luke chapter 11 says when he tells them how to pray? Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. We all want to make that sinner's prayer, right? Y'all know what I'm saying? I just, I want to make that sinner's prayer. Well, remember this. It's true. We, we need to make that sinner's prayer. But there is another side to that sinner's prayer that says this. And forgive us our sins. And it could just stop there, but it don't. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. That's hard, ain't it? It's hard when you see the flip side of that. But my friends, that is the entire motive of our being able to turn around and reflect back the love of God to others is by, Daddy always talked about having a blanket of love. The blanket of love that enwraps others that have caused us pain and grief. We wrap them up, not with feelings. We wrap them up with the same love that we want God to show us. The same forgiveness that we want God to forgive us with. And this is what he says in 1 John. I love this. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's beautiful gospel imagery. It's all paid. But that, my friends, is the whole motive because, listen, beloved, if God so loved us, just let that sink in for a minute. If God so loved us, you might say, it wouldn't it make sense? But he says, we ought also to love one another. So my friends, there is a beautiful sinner's prayer out there. And thank God we can come to him. Thank God we can come and say, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom to show me good. But the, the practical applicability 
it extends to our everyday life. Mm -hmm. Whatever aspect, it may be our spouse that we're struggling to love. It may be our kids that we're struggling to love. It may be people in our workplace we're struggling to love. It may be people in our church family that we're struggling to love. It all happens because we're all sinful. But every time we think about how we feel about this person or whatever we're struggling with or this situation we're struggling with, let's wrap them up in the love that God has shown us because that's our whole motive. It's just a little bit to give back. And my friends, that is, that is powerful. When we realize we don't have to show somebody good because we feel loving towards them but because God did it for us. So may the Lord help.